Hello, and welcome to Stuff We've Seen. This is Jim, and with me is Ken. I mean, Teal. How's it going, buddy? <laughs> if you say Ken, people won't know who you're talking about. You have to say and Ken. <laughs> and Ken. <laughs> I think everybody now knows who Ken is and who Barbie is. Uh, and, and we couldn't do a show, I, I think, if we didn't talk about uh barbie or barbenheimer right yeah that was the combo duo film of the of the last 10 years it seems yeah like. i don't know you know the i don't know that we've had this kind of uh weekend before where there's two uh, you know I, I know that we have but this got marketed into the whole barbenheimer thing but we've definitely had two big films on a weekend before but this was out of control yeah i mean look there hasn't been a lot to get excited about at the movie theaters. Uh, a lot of these blockbusters have come and they've, you know, entered with a whimper. And for whatever reason, people rejected them. Uh, my gut feeling, because I've seen several of these so-called blockbusters in the theater, is they didn't deliver. Yeah, that's really what it comes down to. Like, if The Flash was this amazing, amazing superhero film, people would have gotten over whatever the you know, preconceived notions they had of the flash and they would have gone because word of mouth would be like, Oh, I guess I have to see this, but it, you know, and that didn't, the DC brand has been lagging. And that didn't happen with Indiana Jones, which I did not see failed to deliver. Well, see, that's the thing is you're, you're like the demographic, right? Yeah. You're, you know, you're around my age and, and, and we grew up and with it. And the problem was that a hey, kids today, unless they happened to watch the Indiana Jones movies and became big fans, but you know, my kids have seen at least the first yeah. one. Um, I think my my oldest has seen the first three. My youngest has seen parts of the other two, but he saw the first one. So you can see it's already not that much of their culture. Yeah. But if the movie was great. If you had had a fun time, even if you said it wasn't great, but it's it's a fun popcorn movie, I probably would have gone. Right. I could have swayed you. You could have swayed um, me. Like, oh man, it's great. The fact that you didn't sway me or didn't even attempt to sway me shows that the movie didn't deliver. Yeah. Well, I know it's a hard thing to get you to go out to the film, so I'm not going to go um, waste my credibility <laughs> by like telling you to go see it. Then you'd be like, um, yeah, because my honest, I try, okay, I always want to give every movie a pass. Right. I want to go in and like a film. That's really my attitude. I don't go in going, I'm going to hate it. And so uh, the, the movie just delivered what it delivered to me. I had to say I didn't really like it. But this ties in, I think, with Oppenheimer is that, um, well, one, people were kind of bamboozled a bit here. The, the thing that nobody talks about, I mean, I've read piece after piece lately of, of, of Barbie, Oppenheimer, Barbenheimer, this whole mass, like, uh, collective- Cultural moment. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, cultural moment. But the thing is, is that, well, part, I think TikTok and all the social media, they gravitated on this Barbie thing early. Yes, they did. And and the thing is, there's been a lot made about how younger demographics are spending more time on TikTok, TikTok and social media. TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> yeah, that's, hey, I'm hip. I'm, I'm on that TikTok. 
It's that breath mint and uh, social media platform. Uh, but nice going, Teal. You just revealed so much about your age. But that social media stuff is taking uh, eyeballs away from movies and TV, and so that's part of the crisis the industry is in. But this actually used the social media really effectively to uh, get people to go to the movie. I find it interesting because I feel like I'm the only person, or maybe the first person to mention this with all of the other pieces I've read. So a lot of this marketing and like, hey, isn't it great these two films have like kind of joined forces? Well, it didn't occur to me <laughs> until I sat down because I saw the Barbenheimer combo this weekend and I can, I'll, we'll get into that. But I saw Barbie second and when I saw Barbie second, it became very apparent to me. Both films were distributed by Warner Brothers. Oh, really? Go Let that figure. sink in, people. <laughs> Warner Brothers produced Oppenheimer and also produced a distributed, in conjunction with Mattel, Barbie. So there was a vested interest for them to have two releases and combine the marketing efforts. And when suddenly social media took hold of it, Instead of like uh, resisting it, they went with it. Yeah, they totally embraced the marketing, and I, you know, that I, I, I you don't see that happen that often. But I think people just, uh, particularly with Barbie, people were ready for something fun, and there hasn't really been a fun movie this year. And it, you know, there was a thing last year with Minions. And right, that that tied into the social media because people started like that movie was terrible, by the way. But people got dressed up; they all went with their friends. They made a party out of it, uh, and I think a similar thing is happening with Barbie, and people are seeing it, it, it repeated times already. I have a friend on Facebook uh, whose friend had seen it every who, whose daughter, sorry, uh, whose daughter had seen it every day since it came out. Where do they get the money? It, these these films do not cost a couple of bucks. They're expensive to go to. I don't know where. So, so somebody asked that in the thread, and the response was, "Her friend's uh, parents own the theater." Oh, okay. So, well, but the, but That's even sort of still, like, it's becoming Titanic. But even still, they're going to it over and over again. You don't do that with a movie you don't like, right? That's you know. So people are. Uh, seeing the movie maybe because of all the hype, but then they're actually enjoying the movie and not just seeing it again, but recommending it to people. And uh, so it, it the movie does deliver in that in the sense that the audience is spreading the word. We're going to get back into Barbie um, and and our reactions because we've both seen it. Yes. Um, we've been part of the Barbie, uh, the hype. And I know you have not seen this yet, so I'm not really going to give anything away. I really don't even know if you're going to go see it or not, but and I hope you do. But Oppenheimer was the first part of this. You know, I have tickets. Okay, you have. Tickets. I have Great. tickets. Yeah, and but it's I have to. It's you know, in five days from now, I wanted to see it on the Omnimax screen, and it was almost completely sold out, and so that was the only day I could get tickets. Well, so this is another fascinating thing, right? And and again, will the studios learn the lessons? I don't think so, because the same studio, Warner Brothers, that put out yeah. both of these big smash hits. Uh, that freaking asshole, David Zasloff, mm -hmm. who I don't think ever liked a piece of entertainment in his life. He just likes the millions that he gets yeah. to run this whole Warner Brothers discovery and totally wreak havoc on the whole industry. This is what he wants to do now because of the actors striking. He's planning on canceling <laughs> Dune 2 to come out at Christmas time and push it off to the next year. Now, look at 
when I went and saw this um, Oppenheimer in IMAX mm-hmm. this weekend, and I got to see it at one of the, the – there's only a few theaters that have it playing in film IMAX and only a few places that have digital. You're going to see it at one of the digital IMAXs, which means you're going to get the full, huge, giant screen experience. Yeah. That's what I got. They showed trailer for Dune 2. The whole thing filled the, the freaking screen. And this thing looks amazing, and it made me go, I only wish I could have seen the last one in the yeah. theater. Zavlos fucked that up, <laughs> and now he wants to fuck it up again. you got an audience that is coming back to the movies for the first time in years, packing houses for Oppenheimer. You show them a trailer like this, and now you're going to say, ah, just kidding. You're going to have to wait even longer. That is so stupid. So again, I'm really concerned that the the lessons here about putting content. Now, the thing with Oppenheimer is people, as part of Barbenheimer, I think a lot of people went to see Oppenheimer that probably wouldn't have seen it because they wanted to make sure that they saw both (laughs) films and they could be part of the Barbenheimer. However, this movie is three hours long, right? Yeah. I've I've seen it and I wasn't over, I wasn't, uh, I was a little underwhelmed. I mean, it wasn't that great for me because i know the story i've seen the documentary day after trinity which really covers a lot of ground in oppenheimer's um kind of his history i've been to los alamos and been through you've been to los alamos i've been through their museums and their tours and their short film the whole thing i I, i'm very familiar with the story so i don't think there's anything you can tell me that would spoil the movie for me Right. Well, I don't think it's a very spoiler kind of film, especially when you're dealing with history. But then, you know, I saw, and I actually saw this in the theater. Nobody saw it then. It was a bomb. (laughs) Ha ha. Not intended. (laughs) Is I saw Fat Man Little Boy in 1989. Yeah, with John Cusack and Paul Newman. It covers, mostly it's just about the Trinity test. This film was a little different. And actually, I think it was a little disappointing because I thought, well, maybe Nolan is going to get a little bit more into the weeds. And my youngest... He, you know, he found some parts boring, but he was disappointed because he wanted more of the science than he got right. in the film. But people are loving this movie. And even though I didn't, I have to recognize that a lot of people probably know nothing about the Oppenheimer story. Right. They know nothing about the Trinity test. They're coming into this a lot, uh, you know, colder than I was. And what they're getting and reminding, and they may not realize why it's so intense, is you're seeing something that was completely shot, not just on film, but it was shot on a combination of 65 millimeter film and then IMAX 65 right. millimeter film, which basically flips it and and shoots it so that you get this full frame mm-hmm. of 15 perforations. It, it's like three times as big. The visceral feeling that you have of intensity when you see these images on the screen, it adds something to the movie that makes it say more dramatic than I think the content was. Right. So it, part of it is just the experience of the sound and the images, which is fairly typical of Christopher Nolan. He likes that kind of experiential approach. The last movie that he made, Tenant, nobody really got to see that in the theater because of the pandemic. Right. Uh, that was the first film I watched during the pandemic, and I couldn't see it. He wasn't able to show it in IMAX because those theaters right. were closed. And it really didn't have the same impact when you couldn't see all of the huge IMAX film shots. Right, right, right. In IMAX. Now, this film, it was interesting. It shot, it's also cool, is Kodak developed special black and white stock so that it could be shot with IMAX and 65 millimeter in black and white. Oh, that's cool. 
And so even the black and white stuff, it's not like it was shot color and then done in black and white. I mean, this thing, it, it, it's beautiful cinematography and great score and it's very intense and in these IMAX theaters like you feel like when you know I mean it's not a surprise there's going to be a trinity test and you will feel that in the theater <laughs> if you see it in IMAX here's my concern about the film and why I, I've been kind of uh I haven't really embraced it right uh through its marketing and part of it is knowing the story but also the, i mean you're saying right now it's intense and i just imagine how is it intense is it just a bunch of people yelling at each other like what nolan is kind of saying is that you can use a film format to make things dramatic right when you use film and i think that people are responding to that that a story that there's really very little action in the movie i mean i'm not yeah, that, that no that's the thing it seems like a dialogue heavy movie to me it is and there's one big sequence which is the trinity test and i, I don't really want I, I like how he handled the trinity test and you'll have to see it's a lot of it and again it kind of cuts back and forth in time right but the, the framing device oppenheimer's story doesn't end very well because of the red scare right 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 and his prior ties to communism and how he lost his security clearance etc but they kind of took that losing your security clearance event Oh, and bookend? And that kind of fills the story. And I think a lot of people don't really know about that. And really, there's a message about how people who, you know, did these great scientific things, how America treated them right, based on this red scare nonsense, but also because of what he did with his scientific breakthrough, it changed everything with not just science, but the fact that we had the power to destroy each other. And now when other governments have that same power, it puts the world at a different um, edge. And so I think there is a lot of interesting concepts to think about yeah. in the film. I just personally, I know the story very well and it wasn't much new for me. I also will say that aside from the Trinity test, even though the images were really amazing, the big IMAX images, yeah. They've worked best when, like, the entire... Like, when, when I saw um, Dunkirk in the big IMAX. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He shot most of it with the big, large yeah. format. So, if you went to the large IMAX theater, it was very intense. Only the stuff that was on the boat, you know, the, the smaller right, right, story yeah. where the fishing boat, that was just shot with 65 millimeter. So, the screen would go down a little bit for right, that. Right, right. But, like, all the rest was big. This movie... I think there was a lot of it shot on the regular 65, and the format changes almost sometimes from shot to shot. That's weird. I found it a little distracting. Yeah, well, that's how he does it. And I think that if you just saw it in 70 millimeter, like if you go and yeah. see it on 70 millimeter film, you will get a great visceral experience, and it might actually work better as one aspect ratio. And I don't normally don't say that, but... <laughs> That's fascinating. But so, you're going to see it the way I saw it. Yeah, basically. I'm going to see it. And, and here's my other concern about it is I think no one uh, is terrible at writing dialogue. I wouldn't say that the dialogue is necessarily bad, but I mean, this is a guy that one of these days, if he's going to put it all together, maybe he starts with a script and then gives it to somebody else. I just don't think that. Yeah. I think there are interesting aspects of the story that were left unexplored more so than what we got you know they hired emily blunt to play his wife and he didn't have a really good relationship with his wife the love of his life was yeah. this um a, a, a person who was a, a communist and she died 
supposedly of a um, suicide. Okay. But there was always some cloudiness as to whether or not, you know, the government may have sought to. Right, right, right. Oppenheimer didn't need a distraction. And I feel like in Fat Man, Little Boy, they made a little bit more of that insinuation. They didn't in this one, but that story is covered and it's not anything really that different from Fat Man, Little Boy. But Emily's Blunt character was just kind of like a sad, unhappy wife of his and she drank a lot and there really wasn't a lot to her character. So where do you think this film is going to end up come award season? You know, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of times where I don't necessarily get as excited about a film as the rest of the population. Right, but but do you see this being like in the 10 best picture nominees? Is it Well, if they start stripping away big end movies and pushing them to next year, who knows? I guess that's true. Yeah, I guess that's true. Okay. It's weird because Barbie and Oppenheimer did fine for Warner Brothers without... If you put out a product that people want to see, you don't need all these actors and it's just a bunch of whatever. Now, I think it's more... I'm reading between the lines is Warner Brothers knows the strike's going on. Next year, they don't have any movies. And so if you push something to next year, and it's probably all about write-off purposes and books, and for him to be able to position Warner Brothers and say, look at how we've been hurt because these people don't want to do what we need to survive. You know, I get it. (laughs) And anybody who's smart gets it. So uh, before we get into Barbie, so this was, uh, here is my Barbenheimer. I, I had tickets for Oppenheimer. The family all wanted to go. We had to go to Massachusetts. Now, originally, I wanted to go to Providence, Rhode Island, where they have one of the very few theaters that still shows IMAX film. The problem was, like you've been experiencing, people, I didn't even realize the Barbenheimer effect. By the time I went to get tickets, which was like a couple weeks out, there were no tickets to be had. Yeah. Everybody was like, oh, we need to see this on IMAX. And they had heard enough that they need to see it on IMAX film if they can. But the trailers actually say, see it on the largest screen possible. You know, they're really pushing that. Well, people took it to heart. And so I was shocked. This is the one time I couldn't get into a screening I wanted to get into. And so we, I was like, well, okay, it's not technically film, but honestly, the IMAX laser, the Reading IMAX in Massachusetts, it's going to give you the exact same format. It's not Limax. Right. I'm going to get that aspect ratio. And if that was sold out, then I would have gone to my 70 millimeter options because (laughs) in Boston, I could have seen it at the Coolidge Corner in Boston in 70 millimeter or at the Somerville, which by the way, this is how the effect was so crazy. The Coolidge Corner reported having one of the busiest weekends they've ever had. Yeah. So people were searching it out and not just, I mean, I can't imagine you go into your regular multiplex and just seeing a regular digital presentation of Oppenheimer on a regular screen. You're a chump if you do that. That was the only film we were supposed to see. Right. I didn't even realize that my wife was now invested in this whole Barbie thing. And she started, the week leading up to it, really started talking about Barbie and then finding out that my kids wanted to see this movie too (laughs) and was kind of like, could we figure out how a way to see them both? And at first it was like Friday night, I was like, well, maybe we could go see Barbie tonight. I I don't have a theater near me. We were going to have to go an hour away, but... We were. I was thinking, well, we could go to Barbie tonight. And my wife was like, well, only if we buy tickets in advance. And I'm like, I'm not paying extra money. I'm like, we're just going to go. And she's like, that would be stupid because they'll be all sold out. So I'm like, well, I'll just go online and check. You couldn't get any tickets for Barbie. And I was like, holy <laughs> shit, this thing is going to be huge. So she decided 
that she really wanted to do the Barbenheimer, right? right? And so she went and bought tickets and we had some, we had plans. We were going to see Oppenheimer that was going to get over at six. And then we were going to go to this place in Massachusetts. We love it's called Kimball's farm. It, it was an ice cream stand for years. I've been going there since I was like a baby. And over the years they've morphed into this, like almost like a little theme park where they have like mini oh, golf, fun. multiple okay. courses, pitch and putt, all these things. Then they also have a clam shack where you can get like seafood and chicken and all that. And we were going to meet my like family because my, my son's birthday was the next day. So it was kind of one of those things where, all right, we'll do that. But then that could take a couple hours. Right. So my wife gets tickets for a theater in Methuen, which was sort of on 93 heading back. And we got tickets for a 10 o'clock show, which means we wouldn't be getting home till like three in the morning. Right, right. Because we were driving home, and uh, you know, we had put our dog in the in the like the kennel for the night, and I was like, I'm like, what am I like twenty? All right, but we'll do it. Fine, this will be fun. We're doing the Barbenheimer. We're officially doing the Barbenheimer. Great. All right, so we go and see Oppenheimer. It, it was so much excitement in the in the theater in the crowd. Like yeah. we got there early because we knew that we want to get a good seat because this was not assigned seating, and my uncle came. He wanted to see it too. And by the time we were seated, there was a line that stretched like out. And basically I'd heard all the shows that night and pretty much through the whole weekend were sold out. Okay. That is amazing. One of the guys that was uh, working there and he had like, they do microphone announcements at the IMAX so they right. can tell people to push in because it's like a sold out theater and everything. He was wearing like an Oppenheimer hat. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and he even said to people, he goes, all right, uh, take care. That's enough for me. Have a blast. <laughs> you know, so, it, you know, so it was, again, it was a fun, fun time. I didn't love the movie, but it was good. I mean, I give it a thumbs up. Um, I just was expecting a little bit more. But again, I'm in the minority. The audience seemed to really love it. And audiences okay. around the country are loving it. And I think it's because they're getting to experience something that had no CGI this is a real movie made the way they used to make movies. No freaking CGI. It makes such a difference. I, I've been watching a few uh, movies from the 80s and stuff, and just the lack of CGI is great. The Indiana Jones is stuffed with that shit, and nobody wants to see that de-aging. And, you know, actors are fighting against the potential future of all this AI. And, you know, the studios, like, it looks crappy. Nobody wants to see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i gotta say you know uh barbie doesn't have a lot of cgi yeah i mean maybe some of the backgrounds but they also built all these amazing sets and stuff yeah exactly they're they're not they have real sets you know sometimes i watch a marvel movie and i'm like oh th this is actually just two two people standing in a w green warehouse like they're this isn't even like <laughs> the street corner they're on is not real Remember those like biblical epics? And I was always like, well, geez, they didn't have electricity back then, but look at how well lit these interiors are. Look at that floor. Like it was just basically shot in a soundstage and half of the things they didn't care about because audiences accepted right. it. And I feel like that's the way it is with a Marvel movie. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get into Barbie. We went to dinner and it, of course it was super busy at this place, right? And I wanted to just get like ice cream. I mean, they have ice cream. It's huge, huge portions. You get a banana split. We're, we're, we had to wait all this time to get food, right, in line. The only reason I'm telling you this story because it feeds into my Barbie experience. <laughs> <laughs> and you had quite the Barbie experience. 
I did. It start, but it, it, but I think it started out with this. Is the whole reason was my my son loves seafood, so it was a chance to get fried clams, Massachusetts, and my wife placed the order and she gave him the ticket. We're waiting there, and my uncle was waiting for his food. And it was you know it was very busy. I mean it was crazy there, and we're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and we're not getting our food. I'm like, well, wait, what's this number again? And I'm looking. I'm like, no, it hasn't been called. Then my uncle, who ordered after us, got his food. And I was like, well, okay. But he ordered the same stuff, basically, but it's just one. And <laughs> this, just, this just doesn't feel right. And then some more people started getting theirs that were clearly after us. And I'm like, yeah. okay, I think that they've just forgotten. I'm going to go and I'm going to nicely, I'm going to be a nice guy. I'm just going to be yeah. like, hey. And so I go to the counter and there's a couple of different windows. And I go to this one window and she's like, Oh, yeah, let me find out about that. Now, it would probably get called in that window over there. I'm like, okay, and she disappears. But I'm like, then I hear nothing. That never comes back. And I'm like, okay. More time <laughs> goes on. More people get it. Now we're looking around, and there isn't even that many people waiting. And I'm like, oh, man, they just forgot. So I go up to the next window, and I bring out my receipt, and I have to go through the whole rigmarole again. <laughs> and this girl... I mean, she's like, I don't know, 18, college, maybe. I don't know. She takes, she actually takes my receipt and walks off to go look and investigate. And I'm like, oh, shit, I don't have the receipt. I didn't place the order. I don't even know, like, I, how do I prove, like, and I only knew that it was very expensive because clams cost right. a lot of money. But I don't know exactly what they ordered. She brings back, here's your food. And I'm looking, and I know enough that it's not our order. <laughs> right. And she took the receipt, so I can't just go, oh, wait a minute, this isn't our order. So now I'm stuck there, and I'm like, this isn't our food. And I'm trying to, like, wave over my wife. There's, like, these big tents, and everybody's right. seated, and they're eating their food, almost all done. And I'm finally like, get over here, because she's like, you know, what's going on? And I'm like, look, at I. they took the receipt. This is not your food, right? And she's like, no, I didn't order this. And I'm like, yeah, but they took the receipt. So then I finally have to flag somebody there. And, and the girl comes up. I'm like, listen, we didn't get our food. <laughs> this is not our food. You took our receipt. So I don't know what, you know, our order, but I just know this isn't. What number? I'm like, it's 36. <laughs> this isn't our food. She disappears again. And, then, and I'm like, what's going on? Nobody. And so then... This guy, who's like definitely only college age, he comes over. Oh, wait, but first the girl had said something like, well, we're very busy. Like, I'm like, uh, okay, but what does that have to do with me? And she's like, you know, like, so yelling about, I'm like, I wasn't yelling. I'm just like, and so she like goes off. And then this other guy comes back, like, what could I, I'm like, well, I'm like, this girl took my receipt. This is not our food. We've been waiting a long time. There's been all these other orders. And he's like, well, you know, I don't think it's any... It doesn't do help for you to make a young girl cry. I'm like, what? Oh, <laughs> what? man. Apparently, oh. that this this is like, and now it's my fault that the food didn't come. You, you, you're bad news, man. But my wife you. was there and realized that I hadn't done anything. I wasn't yelling at anybody. And then I'm like, listen, I just, get, I want my money back. I said, I, she's like, well, what number? I'm like, it's 36. You guys have the receipt. I don't have the receipt. You're going to have to find it, and I just refund the money. And then, so we then get a receipt. Mind you, people are now in, like, they're looking at us from in the window. Like, I'm like, we don't want to eat food now because we're going get, to get it spit on or something. Um, <laughs> so, so what I learned was is that today's world, that 
you're just getting treated as if you're a Karen, even if you're not. When they've screwed up, I did nothing wrong, but we didn't get the, We had a time. I'm like, we had plenty of time to make a 10 o'clock show of Barbie, but now I'm actually wondering, are we going to make a 10 o'clock show of Barbie? You got your money back and left. Then, of course, we didn't have the dinner, but we went over and my wife ordered the big ice creams. And I'm like, I can't go over there. If they see me, like, even though it's another section, then we're going to get our ice cream spit on. So forget it. <laughs> so we did get our ice cream. It's a huge Sunday. It's great. But I mean, it was a really sour experience that we didn't do anything wrong, but we were somehow blamed. Uh-huh. Even though we weren't yeah, I mean, I was as uh-huh. nice as I could. Sure. I, tried I, not- I, I, I understand that you're the, you're the Karen in this situation. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is, it gets worse. <laughs> it gets worse. Okay. So we go, and then I promise we will talk about the movie Barbie, but my experience unfortunately was tainted by Barbie, not because of this, but we get there at 10 and we, we were, you know, we, we're, we're seated. We had tickets, um, everything good. It's not, it was not a huge theater. It wasn't like the Dolby theater, but you know, a lot of people, taking their kids. I mean, this is 10 o'clock, but I guess yeah. in Massachusetts and Methuen, they don't care. Um, I was probably too old for some well, of Well, it's Saturday night, right? During the summer. There were people dressed in, in, in dresses, like Barbie-type dresses, lots of pink. Very fun, festive atmosphere. Yeah. They were even, like, excited, like, just when the movie started, people were cheering and stuff. Then I would say that for the most of the film, the majority was fairly quiet. And it's because a lot of people, I think, were vested in seeing Barbie to make sure that they were part of the cultural experience, but don't actually give a shit about Barbie. (laughs) Well, okay, so I think that is also part of, like, what happened with Minions, right? Yeah. People are not invested in the movie. It's just about getting dressed up and going to something, and it's like a festival or something or a party, and... The movie is not really the paying attention to the movie no. is not why you're there. It's so sad. It's like just people wanted to make sure they, they checked off the box that they saw Barbie. Now, I think people had a good time. And I definitely think that my overall impression is that this thing could be like gangbusters as a second life at midnight circuits where like a, like a big college town where, you know, you have the right crowd that's just yeah. dressed up going crazy. I think that could be a lot of fun. Um, this crowd, even though they did, they had the dress, they, they were there to be part of the experience. Like I said, for the most part, I, I mean, you know, if you're a guy seeing the movie, you know, when was the last time he played with a Barbie doll or knew anything about it? You know, I have to say, I have daughters. Yes, you do. So I, I don't, but you do. <laughs> you have sons. I have daughters. So I might know a little bit more about Barbie than you. Yeah. My sister. So my sister didn't play with Barbies because my mom, you know, she grew up in the late 60s. She, I think, had she had a thing against Barbie. I think she felt that it gave the wrong impression. There's a lot of talk about Barbie, body image, women's roles, beauty standards, et cetera. It sort of ties into the whole Disney princess thing. There's this whole sort of uh, beautification standard for young girls that a lot of parents are skeptical of and do limit those toys and limit Disney princesses and things things like that. So it's definitely been a topic for the last, I don't know, 30 years at least. Longer. I mean, your your mom. Oh yeah, forty. Yeah. So forty years. It, it's it's been uh it, it's been an ongoing conversation in terms of feminism and the politics of these toys. 
even just color genderification of toys. You know, that's something that happened uh, around that time as sort of a marketing thing. And I had a girlfriend for many years in my 20s to early 30s. And I think she had a similar vibe where she was appalled by Barbie. Yeah. Um, so again, didn't have that built in. But the movie actually addresses a lot of these things in a very interesting way. But the problem I had with the film was that shortly before the movie started, um, I had nobody <laughs> sitting next to me. Four teenagers came in and they didn't sit. They weren't seated in the seat right to my left. I was on the end. My wife was like somewhere in the middle. I was on the the end. And then this group of four took seats. There was a space in between us. These kids were, as I found out later, were all 15 years old. And their take, I think, was they were there to be part of the cultural experience, but because they were haters of Barbie. Oh. And they wanted to be witness to everybody enjoying it and them being the like they reminded me they weren't they didn't look like the goth kids from uh south park but their attitude right so they were there to heckle it was more like to check off a box like we've seen it right. and it sucks and uh, and i you know what i'm okay with that i'm okay if you go there and you're heckling whatever or you're making fun of everybody else that's enjoying it just to bring it down that's 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 whatever that's teenagers and i understood yep. going to see this thing at 10 o'clock at night with it i figured on that a the saturday crowd wasn't 10 o'clock on a saturday it wasn't going to be the oppenheimer crowd that's for sure right yeah it's a, it's a slightly different crowd my son had a good take on it my oldest he said that they reminded him of a certain type of kids uh, teenagers that he knows right but i would say that these kids are probably not the popular kids at school and but they're not the hip geeks either there's this other group of kids that <laughs> uncle jimmy explains high school subculture i'm trying to i'm just trying to understand uh, is that these kids they they struck me as the type of kids that nobody likes because that what you're saying is they're losers well, they seem to be, but they they kind of compensate for the fact that, but by having these very kind of boisterous, loud personalities, right? But they're, they're purposely also, loud. They're also children. Yeah, that's okay. Even though they're the same age as my oldest, and he doesn't act this way. Um, yes, but I recognize kids will act together a certain way. That that's fine. However, here's what happened. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to have to deal with this. So I'll just try to ignore it. <laughs> The, the girl that's like seated next to me or closest to me, right? Right as the, you know, do the trailers, forget it. She's still on her phone, you know? I mean, and I get it. I, I like to watch the trail. I like when the trailers come on, it's time for phones away. That's not going to happen with teenagers. She's sitting yeah, there. She's I, got I've, some. Sp- I've learned to accept that, that people are on their phone during yeah. trailers. Yeah. I don't have to like it. And I think it's wrong. And then of course the trailers tell you there's all like messages about putting your phones away and don't ruin yeah. the movie that teenagers don't give a shit about that and she's ta- she's got some kind of special app where you've got this lit up mirror that's like brighter than the sun and she's taking selfies of herself uh before <laughs> the movie as the trail and i'm like okay again not 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 cool not what i would do but nothing okay yeah. but then during the movie for the full first hour 
right? Not only are they the, 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 the nasty comments that you can hear from them, the making fun of people in the audience. So I'm curious, what are some of the nasty comments? I, you know what? I'm just saying I could hear like, like, you know. Oh, okay. They're just mumbling like stupid. Well, if people yeah, are okay. laughing, then they make fun of those people for laughing and their stupid okay. laughs, things like that. <laughs> but, and she's like whispering to her friend the whole time and talking, you know, again, it's like, I'm just trying to tune it out. She's also checking her phone constantly. Throughout right. the movie, which is really annoying because I'm like, you paid, first of all, we've paid like, it was like $60, right? So yeah, why yeah, does yeah. my $60 doesn't count? And this is how you choose to spend your $15 each is just to not watch the movie. It seems absurd to me. But then there was a breaking point. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle J- Uncle Jimmy's breaking point. That should well, be the okay. t- title of this episode of the show. Well, but, <laughs> but hear me out. So, oh no, I'll hear you out. I, I'm just I just want to point out that you are also uh, like me. I'm not pointing any fingers here. We are we are grumpy old men. Well, yeah, but and again, I'm watching a Barbie <laughs> movie, whatever. But the thing is, an hour into it. It's one thing to be on your phone, whatever. I can I can tune that out. I'm enjoying the film. She actually starts to watch videos on her phone with the full sound on. Yeah, that's... And I'm like, I can't hear... Like, that's like... It, it, and if it was a brief mistake or something, she shut off right, or whatever. Right, yeah. But I'm like, I can't watch the last hour of this movie with her just constantly on videos. That's not fair. So I just like literally... You know, you can't be nice to the, you can't say, oh, would you mind stop doing that, please? Because they're not, they're going to just be like, because they're already making fun of anybody in the theater having a good time. So she'd be just like, screw you, you freaky old man. So I just said, could you not do that? Like, that's what I did. I was like, and then it startled her. I'm like, Uh-oh. you know, I'm like, could you not watch a video while I'm trying to watch the movie? You sounded, you had a, you had a grumpy tone, didn't you? Yeah. Oh, right. And you're never, you know, the thing is, you should be allowed to just do whatever the fuck you want in a movie, act obnoxious, because God knows, <laughs> you can't go and complain. I know this for years. You can't go complain because the staff doesn't care. What do they do? Come yeah. out and then just say, quiet down. Then they make fun of you for the next hour because yeah. you had the theater management. So you can't, you can't do you that. You really can't do anything. Yeah. So she was horrified. And she like, like literally practically like jumped on the lap of her like companion, this other teen goon and was like whispering for like five minutes before she got up with this guy and they went to another part of the theater. Good for me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, I was able to sort of enjoy it. Still this whole thing, you know, five, 10 minutes of that, it, it takes you out of the movie completely. Oh, I, mean, I mean, it was really hard. Cause like, yeah. Yeah, I'm like not really in, I mean I'm in trying to enjoy it but like you know that's just it's like there's going to be a damper. Okay. Yeah, yeah, cuz it's a huge distraction and they come back at some point with like maybe 20 minutes left. They were they never left the theater. They just came back to sit. Right. And of course then they're being obnoxious and like I'm not, at this point I realize I can't say anything more. Like yeah. we just got to get this thing over with. I got a long ride home <laughs> whatever. Movie comes up, it's over. Of course, I'd love to just get the hell out of here, but because of the long drive and everything, we're going to have to go to the bathroom and everything. Well, you know, my wife and the kid, they're watching the credits for a few minutes. We finally, it gets to the point where we're like, okay, we can leave. Yeah, because the, the credits have those cool little vintage Barbie things for the yeah. first half of the credits. And then- Exactly, it, but when it turns to black scroll. whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we get up to leave and, we're, and then I hear this voice and- it's just, and I should, look, this is where I, where did I go wrong? I should have just 
ignored, but I just felt like this group would have just followed and kept saying shit. Uh-huh. And I didn't want to deal with that. But I hear this voice goes, excuse me, excuse me, sir. And I turn around and it's this girl. And she's like, you know, you were really rude. <laughs> and then her little pal I'm like, I was rude. What the fuck? I'm like, oh, I see. You're supposed to just ignore because of like the generational thing where kids are so addicted to their phones that it's not their fault or something. And her her obnoxious pal says, you have no right to talk to a 15-year-old that way. (laughs) And, And now I'm like, there was rage in me. I'm like, are we at this point now? This kid, they, they had, they're allowed to act horrible but if you said anything to to tell them not to do something that they're not supposed to do like the theater says stop don't text and and be on your phones that i am awful because the person is 15 so they're old enough to go to the movies at 10 o'clock with their friends (laughs) but they're not and 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 act obnoxious but i'm not allowed to say anything and i'm like you gotta be fucking kidding me so i'm like i'm like what? Like, I was like, I couldn't believe I was almost like incredulous. I was like, I, I'm like, what? Like, why is that? I'm like, you know what? I said, when I was 15, I didn't act this way in a movie. I'm like, you guys, why are you even, why did you even come and see this film? You're not watching it. You're on your phones. She goes, I wasn't on my phone. I was, I checked it only a couple times. So she's now lying to me. Right. And I'm like, that's not true. I'm like, you were on the phone the whole time and then you were watching videos with the sound. She was denying that. And now I'm like, it's now it's become the Twilight Zone because right. I'm like, wow, I haven't been in a situation where I'm, I'm faced with, I was the wronged party, but yet I'm having people like, will lie to your face. And then it, things get a little blurry, right? <laughs> I start to hear a voice from the back go, leave it alone, guy. Walk away. And it's like a real deep, creepy voice. And I'm looking. I, I look over after I hear this a couple times. And I'm like, suddenly I realize that anybody that's left in the theater, it's not that they're watching this unfold. They're like rooting against me. Anybody that's left in the theater are all for these teenagers because what I don't realize is I look over as if like, um, can you help me here? My wife and the and the two kids <laughs> out the door of the theater. I was by myself. So I look like some creepy old guy arguing with kids where I realize nobody knows what's the genesis of this. They just see somebody right. yelling, I guess, at this point. A, a creepy old guy by himself in a Barbie movie. Yeah. But guess who is telling me to leave it alone, guy, and walk away? A 300-pound-plus man who was seeing Barbie at 10 o'clock by himself. Because I saw the guy, and he's wearing a big pink shirt. And this guy was alone, and that guy really was frightening. And I'm like, we're in a day and age where, like, anything can happen. So now I'm like, I just had to, like as they were like you old dude like you know like now they're throwing the old insults as if i give a shit about that but they were just so appalled at the the idea that i would tell them to stop acting obnoxious and literally when i had said that in the movie i maybe had that one line that's all i said i didn't go in and like five (laughs) minutes yelling at them um it was just any utterance this is where i'm like now thinking about what happened at the restaurant there was that people have like no skin like you're not allowed to complain about anything people can shit on you whatever and you're supposed to take it i don't complain about anything and here's why because of this this exact same thing (laughs) because i'm scared 
and I'm a coward and I don't <laughs> want any confrontation. So I just do what I can to, uh, you know, I don't know what I would have done if that had happened to me. I probably would have, what I tend to do in movies is just say, uh, is just go, shh. Yeah, that wouldn't have worked here. Yeah, and I don't think that would have worked here. I might have said, uh, excuse me, but I, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I think I would have just been really angry and just sat there stewing because I... So here's the thing. There's a reason why I don't go to the movies on Saturday night. Well, that was this was the reason. <laughs> and and this, is, this is exactly the reason because I've had, not to that extreme, but I've, I've definitely had audiences that are a, a huge pain. And I'm glad that the theater I usually go to, the sound is loud enough that I can't hear most people. <laughs> a big problem is, is that now that theaters have this assigned seat thing, a lot of times I'd avoid trouble by, I'd just move a bunch of times. But yeah, yeah, I am exactly. unable to move anymore because of the yeah. freaking way that they've done this, that you get trapped by these people and you can't, like if they sit down, I might be able to like, oh, we got to move because this is not going to be good. And, and I couldn't do that. As they leave, like I finally catch up. My wife, she's mad at me. She had no idea what had happened and didn't care. Oh. I guess because of what happened at the restaurant, suddenly that's a cumulative effect that if somehow I must have caused this. And I think she was under the impression that after the movie, I yelled at them or something. And she oh. didn't understand. But I felt, I, I swear to God, in my entire life, I've never felt more abandoned by the people I love <laughs> oh, than this. Oh, I felt, I felt. Like, that was the part that got me was that I turn around to be like, is anybody going to help me here? And my whole family was gone. <laughs> They're all gone. I felt really let down. Like, that really bummed me oh, out more yeah. than anything else. And I just left really kind of down on humanity. I'm like, what is going on with kids today? And I, that's no excuse for kids just acting obnoxious. I mean, this gaggle of uh, entitled white kids. <laughs> That I encountered. Yeah, where that's just, I, it's just really a shame. And it's, uh, you know, again, it's why it's, it's part of the reason I think that the theater business is hurting is I see so many people uh, in comments about the theater business saying, well, I have a surround sound at home. You know, like I can just I can just watch this at home and get my snacks and not have to deal with obnoxious teenagers. I agree. I mean, that's the whole thing is I normally wouldn't have seen this movie at a 10 o'clock show at night and stuff. But you know what? When you're there with your family and you have young kids and you're paid, you don't want to. And I'm sorry, I am not going to just kowtow to some geeks. 15-year-old obnoxious <laughs> geeks, right? Where they're playing, I mean, it was one thing they're going to do all the things I get teenagers do, but you're playing a video with like sound on, like you have total disregard. Yeah, for everyone else. And honestly, I do it all again. Um, but now the movie, with uh, hardly any time left, I, I had to divorce <laughs> myself from that. And actually think about the movie. I didn't like the movie as much as I'd like because of that. However, I still overall enjoyed, I felt like it did do what you were saying, or like, it's actually a summer movie, the kind of movies I remember seeing in the summer about July where it's just good old-fashioned fun, right? Absolutely. Yeah, and you just want kind of a silly, fun, party kind of movie, the kind of thing that you would watch at a sleepover, right? All right, so tell me about your experience. You, you did not have any rowdy teens other than maybe your own <laughs> rowdy teens? So I, uh, my eldest daughter's out of town, so we went, uh, so I planned... 
somehow the schedule worked out for us to see it Tuesday morning at 1030. Everyone had pressured me at this point because for the last few months, people have been talking, my kids have been mentioning Barbie from time to time. You know, like I would ask them, what movies do you want to see this summer? Barbie was always top of the list. I was late to this party because I'm like you. I'm like, people want to see that? (laughs) Well, I I knew my kids wanted to see it, but I was kind of like, I was a little ambivalent. You know, I I, kind of thought, well, I'll see it or not see it if it really gets great reviews or if the kids, you know, if I have to go with the kids, but if they're going to go with their friends, that's fine. So I buy the tickets and uh, for the Tuesday morning show, then my youngest daughter texts me and says, hey, can I go see Barbie tonight with my friend? This was Monday night. I said, well, yeah, but we're going tomorrow morning. She said, oh, I'll see it both times. (laughs) So she, my daughter, does not wear skirts or dresses, period. She wears pants or leggings and, you know, is maybe a little gothish. She's 11. She's definitely not, you know, does not wear girly type stuff. Right. But she put on a pink skirt and pink shoes and a pink blouse and pink bows in her hair and got all dressed up. For the for the Monday night show. For the Monday night show. And uh, she and her friend, it was their first time at the movies without an adult. The friend's parents dropped them off and they went in by themselves and bought their own popcorn. And uh, so that was really fun. That was like a great experience for her. And I think the perfect movie for that so she went and saw it monday night and then tuesday morning we got up she put on the same outfit again my wife put on a pink shirt and a pink skirt and i put on a pink uh, i have a pink checkered button down i put that on uh we all went to the theater it was probably maybe a third full which for 10 30 on a tuesday is pretty amazing and they were uh, sitting next to us were four teenage girls in pink and there were many people in the theater. And so there were four teenage girls at 1030 on a Tuesday dressed up to see this movie. And that kind of blew me away. Like that's when I knew that the box office was not, was serious, right? Uh, and wasn't just an opening weekend kind of event that this, I think this movie's going to have some legs. And I think part of the reason why it's going to have some legs is not only is it fun, but it, it has some meaning to it too. It has some. Uh, it it has a message. It has some character de- depth and development. It's a character story. It's not. It so easily could have been Beverly Hills Chihuahua. Look, as a movie, I found it lagged in a couple spots. I, I'm not. A, I mean, I don't know if like to me, Margot Robbie. Anybody could have been Barbie. I know. Just being just being honest, humor wise. It reminded me in a weird way of the 87 movie Back to the Beach, which made fun of the beach movies where Annette Vitticello and Frank oh, Avalon. Right. And I kind of, and I liked that spoofy aspect. However, what I, what I will say is that the subversive aspects of the story and the meticulous detail and actually giving you obscure aspects of Barbie that most Barbie movies never would have probably ever attempted... Yeah. And a message that isn't just a tacked on message, but like a real message. That's integrated through the whole thing in in the narrative, in the dialogue, and the message is there almost in every scene. 
But reshaping the conversation about what Barbie is or means or could mean to people, yeah, I think that's a pretty heavy order to to do successfully. And for the f- and the fact that it did and it addressed head on the controversies about how people have had an attitude about Barbie. Well, and it manages to do all that serious stuff while being fun. Yeah, so I mean, I have to give like tremendous credit to the co-writer and the director, Greta Gerwig, because you could have had this movie made by 20 different directors and none of them would have had the vision that this film had. And that falls right square on somebody who clearly understood Barbie in a way that was different. And it really did, like, I mean, talk about opening your eyes. Like, when you start to think... Uh, the cynical me always thought like, oh, you have a Barbie present or all these other right. professions. It was Mattel trying to address the fact that Barbie was perceived some ways. However, in this story, you suddenly get the focus that, you know, especially having the Barbie world, that in their world, Barbies could be anything. Yeah. And it's the fact of like, why not? But then it also had another very interesting parallel to today. And that that's the idea that everything might seem perfect and you know make barbie great again but like things change something can happen and change and it's not always going to be the same and just liking something because i like it the way it always was is not healthy and barbie has to learn that i thought that the message was very interesting and then the fact again i can't believe because i've i I worked for a fortune 100 company before i know how conservative and stuffy these brands are and how they refuse to take any risks and I know that, like, you know, Mattel probably was like, well, we'll have a little fun at our brand as long as we get great product placement. I'm not sure that they really knew how much that Greta Gerwig would exploit the Mattelness of this and turn them into almost sort of comical villains, but that they would actually allow it. And I know that she had a lot of struggles with them. Oh, she did. Okay. Oh, yeah, there was a lot. They were like, we don't want this. And she actually would have to take certain producers and her and Margot Robbie had to walk them through because they would say that the nuance of it on the script, it's just not there. You don't understand where we're going. And a lot of the things that they didn't want in the script, Gerwick and Robbie were like, this is stuff that is out there in the ether. And if we don't address it, it's going to get addressed by audiences and you're going to get ripped apart. So it's better for us to control it. I mean, they did address just about everything. They get really into, and it's mentioned once, but they get really into the gender politics, right? And gender roles and and all, the, all those questions and debates about Barbie. But they seem to avoid the fact that no matter what happens with those debates, Barbie is always a super capitalist. There is no socialist revolutionary Barbie. Uh, (laughs) You're going to like where I'm going with this in a second. Okay. (laughs) I think that as much as as Gerwig tried to make fun and exploit, there is a part of me that says as much as she was trying to do one thing, there was still a weird message. When they go up into the corporate boardroom and it's all those yeah. just guys, which I thought was funny because let's face it, that's what those boardrooms are like. Yeah. They're all men. In the background is this, and this is actually where I was like, oh my God, these are the same companies, Barbenheimer. You have that ridiculous green screened in Warner Brothers Discovery building in the back. Yes, yes, yes. I could not take my eyes off that. It was hilarious. And I think that it was one of those product placements that that, that Warner Brothers 
was like, yeah, well, we want that in the background. And because they're such idiots, they had no idea that it's not subtle. We get it. And that she's making a direct correlation to this fucking Zavlov guy. Yes, yes. With like, even though it's supposed to be Mattel, I thought of Will Ferrell as this David mm-hmm. Zavlov guy, a clueless clown yeah. who has no interest in entertainment whatsoever. And they got this big Warner Brothers discovery in the background. So you are constantly reminded of the product and the, yes. the fact that this is a capitalist enterprise, which the movie is going to succeed beyond their wildest dreams. You know, Margot Robbie actually said in pitching this, because it was her company that that she was trying to get Mattel to let Warner Brothers and her do the movie. And after many failed attempts, she said, I think this movie could make a billion dollars. And she was dead serious. And they were just looking at her like, you're insane. Yeah. Well, it turns out she's right. She is absolutely right. But then what they're looking at is the ancillary sales yes. of the Barbies, which I think you're going to see this year being probably the biggest year for Barbies all time. I think it would have been smart to buy Mattel stock a year ago. This is where I want to end this conversation because I am a guy. I recognize I'm a guy. I am not the demographic for Barbie. I had no clue. I had no understanding. And this experience has given me a new appreciation. However, because conservatives today... They must be on the flip side of every conversation right. and they hate, they hate the fact that they've been left out of this cultural experience because they are dour, sad, fear-mongering people. <laughs> they have nothing that they can add to this conversation except that a lot of them probably went to see it yeah. thinking of the Barbie of the perfect housewife Barbie <laughs> that they thought she should be in subservient to Ken and, and instead realized they get that this. this is a film about female empowerment and how men have controlled the world for far too long and i don't think there is a single like this ben shapiro guy and a few others these are people that because they have nothing else going on and they must have something that they need to talk about constantly for their audience because they aren't part of this conversation and it's not a film designed for them at all they have to find the most easy low-hanging fruit aspect of the movie to pick on and the fact that yeah men aren't the heroes of this story so for the history of movies we've had non-stop films about (laughs) men for men where women have no role or place or agency and yet here's a film that flips that script and now ken's his job is beach which is hilarious his job is beach and uh, so one of the my favorite things about this movie is that it's not a love story no, and that's another great decision, right? She doesn't fall for Ken. It does. She doesn't fall for Ken. And I was, you know, based on the trailers, I was expecting a Barbie Ken love story, and it's not that at all. And the fact that it isn't is part of what makes it great. It, it's because it's you know, women are their role in movies is as moms or uh, you know, women in movies over the last century plus have often been wives mothers girlfriends and even when uh the woman is the lead it's also it's often a love story and you know we've had sort of this thing over the last maybe 20 25 years of sort of the female action hero but anytime there's a a female lead in a movie that's like a comedy or a drama it's almost always a love story unless it's olivia coleman (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, except for that, that that awful movie about her as a theater thing, she still had a romance. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's funny because you were talking about what it was still a capitalist uh, 
yeah. approach of a, of a film. Well, some right-wing article that I saw today, I can't remember the, the site. It was like something linked to for something. And they call it, they're, they're calling it a fascist, right? That's their, their new go-to because they because conservatives love to think of everything else as fascist because they don't want to admit it that that's what fascism is, is the, their type of belief system. Is conservatism. But, <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah. Uh, so here, it, it, I, let me just say, there is a point where the girl says, to, calls Barbie a fascist. Yeah, I thought that was funny. Yeah, it was it was hilarious, and it got me thinking: Is Barbie a fascist? And I don't think Barbie is a fascist, but maybe the film is fascist because it criticizes Barbie. Is that what's going on? Is that how it's no, fascist? no, no? I, I guess it cri- it criticizes the patriarchy. Oh yes, that's what fascists do: is is criticize uh, uh, societal stratification and and hierarchies. Yeah, and so in religious conservative circles, right? The thing yeah. is, is that they don't want a message going out there that women can think for themselves. Right, because a lot of their particular religions—I'm not—I'm not talking about any specific religion—but there are some versions of Christianity, quite a lot of them, that focus on the male is the most important part, and that women should be subservient to the male. Well, Absolutely. this movie yeah. is going to teach bad lessons to young girls that they might have a chance at a life that's not that. <laughs> Right, and they don't have to just be an accessory to Ken. Ken can, in fact, be their accessory. And so my mistake was seeing an actual feminist film and then having the De Gaulle to scold a 15-year-old girl and her friends, um, which were two males and two girls. You are a grumpy old white man, so, you know, you, you fulfilled your role in society. Yeah, who just wants to watch his Barbie in peace. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the thing is, is that these, I'm like, these, I think this is where these conservative uh, folks that are going up against it, they, they're hurting their own cause because it looks bad. It looks like that, are you that, are you that, insecure a male and and thin-skinned that that seeing barbie is going to offend you i mean i got what was happening in the movie and i loved it i thought that was hilarious i didn't i didn't uh i didn't take a front and the fact is that uh what's his face ryan gosling's performance is pretty insane because he goes he he's so committed to the role that it's kind of comic genius but he also manages to add these other deeper layers to the performance over the course of it right and as he has these realizations about patriarchy or the fact that it's hard to do stuff or it's not just all about horses right like he actually brings some depth (laughs) to the character too that could have just been like a casper van dien performance Ouch. My bottom line on Barbie is that it's uh, it's way better than it has any right to be. Uh, it's a fun, enjoyable movie. I'm sure I'll see it again. I'm sure my kids will be playing it. And, uh, you know, I, 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 definitely one of the more fun. I mean, we're, we're talking about the disappointments of the summer, and I feel like Barbie does deliver. It delivered it way beyond what it what it could have done and what it should have done. And I mean, I again, I don't think it's any miracle of cinema. And if you, if, if there's always no, 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 no. just young critics. Yeah, but there's critics out there that are already like, will Barbie make the Oscar? I don't want to hear that shit. All right, Barbie and Oscars, no. But I tell you, the set design and the costumes absolutely should get nominated. Absolutely, yeah. And it, but it's 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 just a so you know. I mean, it's funny. My top summer movies so far are Barbie and Asteroid City. Yeah, I would I would go along with that. Yeah. You know, one movie that we haven't talked about, and I I don't know that we need to, is Mission Impossible 7. If anybody was the most victimized by Oppenheimer, Barbenheimer, it was Mission Impossible 7. Yeah. You know, he had the big buzz bringing the box office back with Top Gun, but that was warranted because when you saw that movie, you were like, 
telling people it delivered. Yeah, and you're telling people that you like would never go to the theater. You have to see this in the theater. Like you're actually like getting excited and encouraged. That yeah. didn't happen with Mission Impossible Seven. I feel like every other Mission Impossible is kind of a good one. Yeah, this one was kind of a dud. It had some great sequences, but there was just I don't know what it was. Something was missing in that movie for me. I agree too. It's very hard to put my finger on. There's so many sequences that are amazing and well done, but for some reason I did I I didn't feel like I had both feet on the ride. Like it has two show stopping pieces, but it needed something at the beginning because it starts off really slow. Oh, it has that submarine thing at the beginning yeah so yeah, I, that's what i'm saying that wasn't that exciting it wasn't yeah so i so i enjoyed the movie I, I i thought the set pieces were great but i didn't i wasn't thrilled by it the way i was like with fallout yeah and you know with the part with him and the motorcycle well if they hadn't shown it ad nauseum for six months on trailers maybe that would have been more exciting yeah, the train sequence is really cool. I mean, it, it's it's all just extremely well done. A lot of it's practical, a lot of it's stunts, and it just is something. Something was missing for me. The the, the magic wasn't there, uh, and I don't know where that would have come from. Uh, I think the movie suffered in terms of marketing from being part seven, part one. I think it would have been better for people to be left with like, oh, there's still more to come because the movie did kind of have an ending to its first part of the story no it feels like a complete movie it it, it it there's another mission coming but it does complete this part of the mission it, fast x also does this where it just ends in the middle of the but fast x does not even attempt to complete a story it literally just ends in the middle of the movie and you're like oh oh i guess there's going to be another movie like no wonder the pacing of this was so bad spider-man does it and mission impossible does it they're all part one and dune was another recent part one so yeah so i don't I, I think it was a mistake to do this as to do mission impossible that way i think it hurt the market and i think also mission impossible 7 people are like well i haven't seen the last six Right. And and they don't really realize that you can actually go into part seven blind. You don't have to. It, there, there is a larger mythology, but there's not a larger plot or character development, really, that you, you can't just pick up in part seven. When people are reading Barbenheimer stuff online, it yeah. was not a good look for Tom Cruise if, for it to come out that he was trying to persuade theaters not to book Oppenheimer and to yeah. have it switch. That just looked like sour grapes. And, you know, today's. You can't give people a reason. But unfortunately, a movie like this, I think would have been better in September when there was like none of these other movies around. Yeah, and it could have counter-programmed. Yeah, it just shows you that the tastes are weird right now. And yep. that, you know, Oppenheimer, because the audience reaction has been so strong and that there's still people like yourself waiting to see. Yeah. Because like people like yourself still hasn't seen it and have tickets. I think that you're going to see a few more weeks of Oppenheimer uh, doing well and then barbie that's like you said you're you wouldn't be surprised if your kids went and saw it a few more times and i think it's one of those that if you have seen it but you have friends that are like oh we're gonna see barbie would you like to come you're like sure i mean i could easily see that thing again absolutely and and i that's what's gonna happen with my kids and their friends i mean i i honestly can't understand though i watching the film itself what is driving so many people to want to see it multiple times. I mean, I have to say, though, I love that there was like this dance sequence at the end, even though I was already in the midst of like a bummer with these uh, kids next to me. 
that I just thought was hilarious. It was so well done. And and, and the music is really fun. Uh, my daughter's been listening to the album. There's a bunch oh, of pop I've heard stars. It. I've heard the album as well at my yeah. household. <laughs> yep. My point is like the music is fun. The dancing is fun. The sets and costumes are fun. It's, it's, a, it's a, a fun is really the best word to describe the movie, right? It's enjoyable. Unless you're Ben Shapiro, you're not going to be offended by what a weenie! <laughs> Unless I mean, you're really, a- what a dickless weenie! I don't. I, this guy, how how lame a person! I mean, who would kiss that guy? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I th- I think that's the problem, actually, and that's why, you know, they're so upset about the idea that women can be whoever they want to be, because that means the women won't want to be with them, because they all identify with Ken. He's a rejected Ken doll concept. He's yeah. Shapiro. Nobody wants to kiss Shapiro. This has been a crazy episode. <laughs> Um, it just shows you, I mean, this is at least there's like meat on the bone here to talk about with this Barbie movie. Um, I mean, some of those songs and the lyrics are hilarious. In the They're movie. hilarious. Yeah. One thing is for certain now, Greta Gerwig has now become an A-list director. She was already kind of catapulted to A-list after Little Women, but this is cementing. No, this is her. a whole nother. This is a whole nother level. Making a billion dollar movie, um, and I don't know what the budget on this thing was, but it's got to be under a hundred million. Both this and Oppenheimer are rumored to be about a hundred million. Okay. For some reason, I don't know how logic works these days, but they were saying that Oppenheimer needs to earn four hundred million dollars to make its money back. Okay. Or, or hit profitability, but. Because of overseas and stuff, it's actually going to turn a profit. It's actually closing in. Gerwig has been signed. Again, I don't know with all these strikes when things are going to actually come, but she is going to be rebooting at least the first movie, The Chronicles of Narnia, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Really? I found the last iteration in the early 2000s a major disappointment, and the reason was when you watched it, it felt flat like it was directed by nobody and yeah. it had no vision. And I have to say that if Gerwig can bring that kind of passion that she had, say, for Barbies of her year, yeah. everybody, are, and she's like our age and stuff, maybe a little bit younger, but everybody loved, like, went through that passage of reading those, those yeah. books, The Chronicles of Narnia. And I think that she will have a very specific vision and take on it that could make the movie interesting. Again, with these strikes, who knows? But, uh, you know, I mean, in a few months, we might be talking about nothing. <laughs> what are you talking about? We we have we have over a century worth of films to go through. Yeah, well, we'll be going through more BFI, but uh, the summer <laughs> we've been taking a break as we've been talking about the new stuff. Um, yeah, it's, it's summer. It's fun to, you know, that's when I go to the theater is the summer, so. So all you young kids listening to the show... <laughs> Yes, uh, all you, uh, all our child fans. Yeah, you, ch- you children out there, come on, look, give us a break. You don't have to watch the videos <laughs> on your phone while you're watching a movie that you've paid fifteen dollars for. Just don't do that, okay? Yeah, be be kind and aware of other people. Be yeah. conscientious. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I might get up and leave and just ask for my money back. What What is the male version of a Karen? Ken. No, I actually, I don't know. A I, Shapiro. I don't know what it is. Yeah, a Shapiro. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't, you know, I don't pay attention to those guys, but he just seems like a really sad sack. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I, 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 I don't even know what he said about the movie. I just saw some. He probably actually either a didn't see the movie or saw it and liked it, but he has to have something to talk about, and this is his brand. Basically, they've created this insular world of conservatism where you anything that's cool or good has to be bad and has to be woke or whatever. Absolutely, it's it's it's, yep. it's ridiculous nonsense. These people. Anyways, you're not going to get that here. You're not going to get that here. (laughs) We didn't even get to talk about how this all ties in with Sound of Freedom, but anyways. Well, I'm going to wait until I see Sound of Freedom before I really comment on it. I'm telling you, the conservatives seem to love it because there's a movie where just like Barbie, that's the Barbie for them where... (laughs) Right, right. Violent violent vigilante justice is is the equivalent of fun toys. Yeah, I'm just glad to see that conservatives are giving a shit about uh, sex trafficking and abuse towards children because clearly when Spotlight came out about the, the atrocities of the Catholic Church, these people were nowhere to be found. Where was the Ben Shapiro uh, outrage on the Catholic Church then? They didn't care, but then QAnon came along to make them realize that, that sex trafficking is important. The thing about Spotlight is that uh, they didn't go out and kill the priest, and that would have made it a better movie. So Michael Keaton should have said... This is outrageous. Drop this is them. outrageous. <laughs> Suit up. Let's uh, let's get ready for war. And uh, that would maybe we should do a new angle, like a reboot. Uh, yeah. Like, no, no, that the, would the totally. The Globe Vigilante Squad. Because it's the violence is the important part of it. It's not that it's about sex. Sex. I mean, it, sure, sex trafficking. That's the villain. But the idea that you can go and act violence upon these people—that's the real fantasy. Think about it. We get like Ruffalo, Rachel yeah. McAdams, Keaton. Yes. They're an elite squad, the spotlight team. They think they're just investigative reporters, but they're investigating the crimes and then they're going off and they're killing. Yeah. So it's kind of like the star chamber. Yes. Yes. But now it's like a re- it's like mixed in with the newspaper. They find exactly. the truth and then they, <laughs> they enact the justice. I like it. Right, well, okay. I think, uh, you know, somebody out there make this movie because uh, it's going to be a huge hit. Yep. All right. Um, coming coming to the theaters next summer, and then you can uh, pay it forward, and you can spend thousands of dollars so that all your friends and, and people who can't afford to see it can see it. This is like crazy. Well, we're going to talk about that next time in case people are like, Sound of Freedom. I don't want to give that any more press till I see the movie. Myself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. All right. Okay. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs>